You may be seated. And as you're seated, this Bible is God's word. As I've said, probably in every message of this series, this is the book that Jesus used and trusted and believed and memorized. It's the the word that he was, that he spoke, that he left for us. And this this word we must seriously consider, not just the fact that Jesus believed it was reliable scientifically and he believed it was reliable historically and he believed it was reliable prophetically. But the implications of what that means to our culture. You know, we've just been kind of looking at, at the facts that Jesus believed that the record of the Bible was exactly correct. Now this morning, it might get a little uncomfortable because we have to take a step forward. So Jesus believed that the history of the Bible is true. Does that mean anything about today? So Jesus believed that the, the account of the origin of the universe was exactly true as it's written in the Bible. What does that mean about 2009? Our culture, our world, our education system, etc., etc. That's what we have to look at. So starting back in the book of Matthew, I would like to take you to Matthew 19. And I want to, first of all, talk with you about the implications of Christ's view of the scientific record. Uh, remember, shio, science, comes from the Latin word shio, and it means to know. And so science is the study of the world around us, what we know from the study of the world around us, the observations that have been made and, the, and what we can deduce from those observations and, and verify. So... In Matthew, we look at a time when Jesus was asked to explain God's standards on marriage. So where does he go? He goes back to Genesis. He goes back to creation. He goes back to the beginning, as he called it. So I want you this morning to consider the implications of Christ's convictions. Because he had a high view of Scripture. Because Jesus had actually the highest view that you can have of Scripture. Because he says, I am the Word. I am the word of God. He said, I, I breathed out through the prophets. It's the spirit of Christ breathing out through. Because of that, as we open to Matthew 19 and starting in verse 4, we look at the implications of Christ's convictions that the Bible contained trustworthy, reliable science. In Matthew 19, when Jesus described the beginning, he talks about the very first humans who are named in that passage in Genesis. And we'll see him quoting that passage that describes those first two human beings as Adam and Eve. In fact, Jesus actually, in his question, he doesn't just give a synopsis. He quotes from Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 5. And he actually says, I believe this so much that I'm going to give you the words that are written down. And I believe this and I affirm this. And so, he says, everything starts with the creation account. So, Matthew 19, verse 4. He answered and he said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? That's a quote of Genesis 1, 27 and 5, 2. Now look at verse 5 of Matthew 19. And he said, and here's another quotation, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Quoting Genesis 2.24. So Jesus, now for those of you that are into all this, Jesus quotes from the Genesis 1 account, the Genesis 2 account, and he says they're both true, and then he quotes from Genesis 5. So he says this whole unit from 1 through 5, I, I verify. 
I kind of put my stamp, my seal on it, that it's true, it's accurate. Now, what was happening? Well, if you read the whole passage in Matthew 19, Jesus was confronted with skeptics, and they had questions designed to trap and trip up Jesus. So what did he do? Jesus affirmed Genesis chapters 1 through 5. He said this is a true scientific record of origins. These are the chapters that contain the creation account. And since Jesus also, after this section I just read to you, starting in verse 7, also affirmed the Moses chapters. Jesus also affirmed the law, the Ten Commandments, and all that Moses wrote. And in that, remember we already looked at the Ten Commandments, and the commandment about the Sabbath day says this, and I quote, For as the Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested the seventh, so you, Israelite Jews living in your tents with all your animals, should work six days and rest the seventh. Now, in any usage of language, when you have a group of people and you make a comparison and you say, as I did this, you should do that. As I did something in six days and rested the seventh, you should do something in six days and rest the seventh. Just the laws of communication when you're talking about 600,000 families listening to this would be that God told them, that the six days they work and their work week and rest the Sabbath is the same schedule he used to make the whole universe. I mean, that's the simplest and the most proper understanding of Exodus 20, which is a statement of the creation account. So, Jesus affirmed the literal six-day nature of the creation account. Now, we've already gone through this. I'm not going to belabor it. But that means that salvation from Adam's sin that has affected all humans, that Adam's sin plunged the entire universe under the decaying power of sin. So you can't understand the universe and what's going on out there and what is being observed if you don't understand why everything is going, winding down to this ultimate, what they call, heat death. Everything is winding down. And, and it's all decaying and, and coming down to cooling down, slowing down, and going to an end. The whole universe. It's just, I mean, they even talk about, you know, when our sun is going to finally just shrink down and become a little nothing. And, and it will stop radiating out heat and light. And that concept is not understood unless we understand what it says in Romans 5 through 8. Jesus said that because of Adam's sin... The whole universe is groaning and decaying. Jesus believed and affirmed that. Okay, so that's just the facts. We stopped there last time, a few weeks ago. What are the implications of Christ's view of science? Jesus believed in a literal six-day creation account, that God made everything from nothing, that he formed it, that he that He unfurled it and rolled out this universe and he set it in motion. It was perfect. And because of the sin of the first man, death passed and creation groans under the bondage of that sin. What are the implications of that? Well, all museums, all textbooks, all teachers, and every school that proclaims as science something different from God's word, Jesus would say they're wrong. Did you catch that? All museums, every textbook, 
every teacher in any school that would proclaim as science something different from the observations God recorded and defined for us are wrong. That means any science that contradicts the truth that God created the universe perfectly and that the sin of the first human plunged all of humanity and the universe into a vortex of destruction is also denying God the creator. So, what does that mean? Well, keep going to the other end of the Bible. Look at Second Peter with me. Second Peter is a little book parked just before Revelation, just about eight books before Revelation. So, go through the Gospels and Romans, Corinthians, the little epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd, Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. There it is. 1st Peter and go to 2nd Peter chapter 3. And if you can't get it that way, go Revelation through John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and back up that way. But look at, at with me at 2nd Peter 3, starting in verse 5. Because when Peter says that the same God who spoke everything into being is going to stop everything, That's truth we can live by. See, we have the historic record from the beginning to the ending. We we have it. You're holding it this morning. If you have a copy of the Bible, if you don't have a copy, there's one in the racks in front of you. And they're a gift from a man in our church who bought them that anybody that doesn't have a Bible can take one home with them. I mean, if you like yours so much, write in it and take it with you, okay? It's, don't take the hymn book, though. Just take the Bible. We need the hymn book here. But 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Verse 6, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. That's an affirmation of the Noahic global deluge or flood. Verse 7, the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? Do you see the implications? The implications is the Bible is based on a certain operating system. And that operating system is that God is the creator and that God made all things. And that, that in a very recent past, the Bible, if you read it, if you read it like it's supposed to be read, like a child, remember the children, the, the poor received him gladly. Why? Because the Bible is simple. You don't need to have 47 degrees and 50 years of learning to understand it. Even a child can understand it. If you just open it up, it says in the beginning, everything began here. God did it all. He made everything. And that first human being is right there on the sixth day. The sixth day. I mean, right there at the beginning. The sixth day of the age of the universe. Wow. And that is recent. Do you know why people want to push the universe out 12, 20 billion years? Because if you can push that out, then you can push the judgment and the end way out there too, so it's far away. You don't have to worry about it. But if you have a relatively recent beginning, you might have a soon ending. And people don't like the implications of that. That the Creator gets so close that it's within a few thousand years, then the judge might be close within a few hundred years or less. 
And that kind of makes people claustrophobic or maybe judgment phobic. I don't know what. But they don't like, and it comes in like this, but that's the operating system of the Bible. Okay, enough of that. Let's look at another implication. Go back to Matthew 24. Okay, that's just one implication that you should think about. 